From an early age, we learned the importance of sharing and that we shouldn't take things that don't belong to us. Listen now as Dr. Brown shares three lessons that we learned from God's commandment to not steal. This is Hearing is Believing. You have your Bible this morning, join me in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and we'll look at one verse this morning, Exodus 20, one verse and one word, Exodus 20, 15, and today we'll look at the eighth word in our Ten Commandments series. But don't you love finding money? Don't you just love opening a box and finding money? Well, we're still unpacking, and of course, we have moved a couple of times. We moved into temporary housing when we came to Mississippi, and then we moved into our permanent housing, and my son's birthday is in February, and so that meant that some of his birthday money got packed up. And so we went and we opened up a box, and we found a card, and we opened up the card, and there was some birthday money for my son, and it was $20. And it was an opportunity for me to teach him a lesson about generosity, about giving, about tithing. He found $20, and so I told him that he could keep 18 and to give the Lord two. Now, my son is seven years old, and he was very reluctant at the time, and he'll, especially thinking about giving away even $2 was a big deal to him. And then I had the opportunity to tell him that all the money that he had was a gift from God. God owns all the money. It's a gift that He has given you. In recognition of His gift, the proper response is to give the Lord 10% or a tithe. And then I had the opportunity to teach Him this lesson. What's His is His, and what's ours is His. What's His is His, and what's ours is His. It's the same thing that I tell my own children, right? What you have is yours and what you have is mine. It's the same kind of lesson. Giving is a test of our hearts, and giving and generosity is at the heart of what the word that we're going to look at this morning, this eighth word. Listen to God's word in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. The eighth word, you shall not steal. The word of God. So we're learning, as we look at this whole list in front of us, we're learning to understand these ten words in two sections, we, two tablets, and two tablets, and the fifth word is that connecting point where the tablets meet. The first tablet has its, its heading, look at it, you shall have no other gods before me. That's at verse 3. At the top of the other tablet is the heading of the, uh, at the top of the heading of the other tablet is the sixth word. You shall not murder. With honor your father and mother, that word that connects the two. And so, uh, at the top of the, or excuse me, the first tablet deals with the relationship between us and the Creator. The other tablet deals with our relationship with His creation, that is, one another. And we're learning this truth as we come to this study of the Ten Commandments. We won't relate well with one another unless we first have a relationship with God. We won't relate well with others until we prioritize worshiping God alone. So all of the words on the tablet that begin with, you shall not murder, force us to consider God as our Creator. And as we look at His creation, we see humanity as the crown 
of God's creation. And so everything that follows, listen carefully, is an assault on God's creation, is an assault on humanity. And when you assault what God values most, you disregard God Himself. And so look at the list right before you. Look at verse 13. If murder sees people as disposable, if adultery uses people as commodities, then theft disregards God's good in the life of another and puts your own good above their good. God says, thou shalt not steal. Now, why do we take it personal when someone steals something from us? Why do we take it personal when someone takes our possessions? Our possessions become a part of us. It's not just a watch. It's my watch. It's not just a pen. It's my pen. What's mine is mine, and if you want it, well, too bad, right? Because it's mine. And this is the double-edged sword that I want to tell you about when we're talking about possessions. This is the double-edged sword of possessions. Listen carefully. You are not what you possess, but what you possess can possess you. And we have trouble distinguishing between the two realities because of how we're created, the hardwiring of our creation. We are created to cultivate. We are created, listen, to be creative. We purchase something, and then we put our fingerprints all over it. Sometimes we buy things because we need them. Other times we buy things because we like them. And even in our day in particular, even if we buy what we need, we have a choice to usually buy what we like. Our personality becomes intertwined in our possessions. Why is that the case? Why when we moved into our home did we, my wife, she had to have the whole house painted? Why did that happen? Why do we like things a certain color? Why do we like a certain type of music or a certain type of art better than others? Here's the reason, because you are created to be creative. And in that creativity, you express yourself. You express yourself outward onto things that you, uh, you like or your different taste. And it's right there at that moment that you begin to express yourself. It's right there where we have to remind ourselves of our broken condition. We are made in the image of God, but that image has been defaced due to our own desires. You remember the story of Adam and Eve? I'm doing my best. Hopefully you're catching on to this. Doing the best to put these ten words in the language of Genesis. There are ten corresponding words in Genesis 1, and God said, and God said ten times. So if we're going to understand the ten words here in the Ten Commandments, we have to go back to Genesis. But do you remember Genesis? Just think with me. You don't have to go back. Remember Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve? Eve saw the fruit, and then she took it. There was something about that fruit that was appealing to her desires. And she reached her hand out and she took what didn't belong to her. And it cost her her life. 
thou shalt not steal. Being made in the image of God means that we are uh, dependent as well as we are independent. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. It means that we are dependent as well as interdependent. We depend upon God, and we are interdependent upon each other. God makes every one of us unique, and He makes us for an ultimate purpose. And this one ultimate purpose for you, as the Catechism says, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So then how do you and I glorify God? We do so, listen carefully, we glorify God by taking the gifts that He has given us and then give them back to Him. We take the gifts that God has given us and then give them back to Him. You see, God is the one who just gave you that breath that you, ta- that you just took. And with that breath, you can either breathe threats and insults or curse, cursings, or you can breathe praises to God. I remember I had a roommate in college, and he would, his, one of his favorite expletives was taking the Lord's name in vain, and so I just got tired of it. And every time he would say what he said, I would say, praise God. He would holler what he hollered, and I would holler, praise God. And he would ask me, he said, man, why do you keep doing that? It's annoying. I said, well, hey, if you're going to curse him, I'm going to praise him. So eventually he got the, uh, the message, and he would say his expletive, and then I'd give a little pause, and then he'd follow back, praise God. He got the message. But we can either breathe threats, cursings, or we can breathe praises. God gives us the gift. Our creation means that we are dependent and we are interdependent. And the fall, that what happened in Genesis chapter 3, the fall, by the way, that's the Bible's answer to what's wrong with the world. The fall means that we're vulnerable. You are vulnerable. You were born lost, born broken. And so our creativity, our expressiveness, listen, it's turned in on ourselves instead of turned outwards. The two directions that were intended to turn, upward and outward, for the love of God and for the good of neighbor. And since we're broken, those directions were, were challenged directionally. And so now everything's turned inward on ourselves. And these ten words are coming at us as a course correction to a broken humanity. Think about the way that we talk. Why do you like that color? Why don't you like that color? Because it's my expressiveness. It's my creativity. Listen, dependency and interdependency doesn't violate our individuality. God gives you gifts. He might give us gifts, but the us is composed of a group of eyes, and a group of eyes are called a bunch of we's. And so we are a community that God has gifted, enabled, diverse. You have your gifts, you have your gifts, I have my gifts, but we're together for the same purpose. We're a community. Listen, not a commune. There's a difference. We're a community. We're not a commune. We can have communal instincts where we generously share But what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. And all of that is what we've received from God. And I'm responsible with the gifts and the talents that God has given me. And so are you. And in some way, 
I'm responsible in, in some way, even though you're responsible for your gifts, in some way we're all responsible to encourage one another. We're all responsible to build one another up. It's my job in particular as a pastor to enable you to find your giftings, enable you to serve God in a capacity that maybe you didn't even realize it's there. And that's the beautiful part about me being a minister is to see how God works in your life individually because you have gifts. And thou shalt not steal. With individuality comes responsibility. With the individual gift that God has given you comes responsibility. You have gifts and you have talents and, and resources. And all that you have is to be given over to God for His good. I don't have what you have. You don't have what I have. We like different things, but we value the same thing, at least we should. What is it that we all value? The glory of God in all things. When we take what's not ours, when we steal, we violate the very reason we have things in the first place. Now, God's given you what He's given you, not to be used on yourself, but to be used for God and others. I want to tell you this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you can't take your money and use it how you please, at least not and please God anyway. First off, it isn't your money. The earth is the Lord's, the Bible says, and the fullness thereof. And second, God has given you what He's given you so that you can be a blessing to others. You want a car? Buy a car. You want a shiny new car? Buy that shiny new car, but not through stealing not through trampling over the glory of God and the good of others. I remember in seminary, one of my professors, one of my history professors, he said this. He, he said, a few generations from now, generations of Christians after us are going to look at our generation of Christians, and they're going to point to us as one of the most materialistic age in church history. We own more than most ever have, but the looming question that is left unanswered is what are we doing with it all? The Wall Street Journal recently ran a headline. Listen to this headline. Older Americans stockpiled a record $35 trillion. And the time has come to give it all away. Listen to what, how the article begins. Baby boomers and older Americans have spent decades accumulating an enormous stockpile of money. At the end of this year's first quarter, Americans aged 70 and above had a network of nearly $35 trillion. Some of you are thinking, where is that money? According to Federal Reserve data. Listen to this. That amounts to 27% of all U.S. wealth, up from 20% just a decade ago. Their wealth is equal 
to 157% of U.S. GDP, gross domestic product, more than double the proportion 30 years ago federal data show. Now they've started parceling it out to their heirs and others, unleashing a torrent of economic activity, including buying homes, starting businesses, giving to charity. And many recipients are guided by different priorities and politics than their givers. Older generations will hand down, pay attention, older generations will hand down some $70 trillion between 2018 and 2042, according to research done by this group. Roughly $61 trillion will go to heirs, increasingly millennials and Generation Xers, with the balance going to philanthropy. The transfer will provide another display of the outsized economic power of baby boomers who came in age during a wave of post-World War II prosperity and drove the economy through many stages of their lives. In other words, in other words, we're going to witness, we're witnessing right now, we're living in the midst of it, the greatest transfer of wealth in modern history. Money is going to be left for children to find over. And understand what that means. It's money that's overflowing from coffers that are going to fill other full coffers. And here's my question. In light of the eighth word of God, how much of what will be done with that money will resonate with the Ten Commandments? Love God, love neighbor, thou shalt not steal. And that's honestly a question. I don't know. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I don't know. And here's what else I don't know. I don't speak as one who knows your heart. What I do know is that possessions are one thing. Being possessed by things is another. And I also know this, Jesus was very clear. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I suppose it's not on account that the man was rich, but he, listen, he identified himself as a rich man. He was, listen, he was possessed by his possessions. He fell into the trap of exchanging one glory for another, putting personality in possessions and thereby losing the very thing that money could never buy, the satisfaction of a soul. No amount of money can account for the worth of a soul. Jesus put it in these terms rather provocatively. What good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Notice this commandment that's before us. There's, and there, there's, there's not a scale here. It doesn't talk about petty theft, grand larceny. It doesn't use any of that stuff. It just simply says, thou shalt not steal. It's a blanket statement. And the rest of the law 
As we flip through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the rest of the law is going to get specific. You're going to get very detailed in, in, in what it means to not steal. But here is just a statement. And this statement is sort of like the, the tip of the chisel that the master is using to chop at our stony hearts. Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen anything? I have a memory of the first thing that I stole. It was about third grade. Uh, it was a book fair. I bought an airplane that had a little propeller on it. it. It wasn't a big airplane. It was just enough to sit on my desk. And during class, I could blow on the propeller, and the propeller would, you know, do its little rotation thing. And the teacher would always say, Andy. Anyway, anyway, that's another story for another day. So, but that propeller on my airplane broke. And I remember this, going back to the book fair, finding another airplane, popping that propeller off, not the whole airplane, it was just the propeller, putting that propeller in my pocket and walking back to my class. And man, I put that propeller on, and even as a third grader, I remember guilt eating away at me. You know what happened? I took that broken propeller off and threw the whole airplane in the trash. And I went back, and I took that little propeller, and I put it back. And you think, well, that's, that's, that's third grade. You stole a propeller. Big deal. I, I agree with you. Maybe I'm not any Bernie Madoff. But it, that little incident revealed something in my heart that wasn't right. Possessions have a way to do that. And here's the thorny truth about possessions. You don't even know that they got a hold on you until usually it's too late or somebody else. And hopefully it's the Holy Spirit points it out. How many families do you know, speaking about transfer of wealth, how many families do you know who've just been split apart because somebody, grandmama, granddaddy, left them a little bit of money and tried to divvy it out equally. There's got to be a better way for us to have this kingdom focus, to have this, this prioritization of the love of God and the love of neighbor. Thou shalt not steal. Possessions have a way to reveal the desire of our hearts. And notice again, I want to say this again. It doesn't say, you know, it, there's no division on the text. It's just simply a blanket statement. Don't steal. And you know what that means. You know where you're stealing right now. Jesus was asked one time if it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. And of all the stories in the New Testament, I really wish that Jesus would have answered this one a little differently. You know, is it lawful? Here's the question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus said, whose image is on the coin? And then he said, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, but to God what's God's. And you know what Jesus didn't answer? He didn't answer whose image is on you. Possessions 
have a way to reveal our heart's desire. And God has a word for us this morning. And you know what it is? Thou shalt not steal. So this is different. This is different. This whole sermon's different. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down these three points. And they're going to come just like this. So don't get frustrated if you see one and it disappears. It'll be back, I promise. Three points for you to take. Look at that. They didn't disappear at all. They're right there for you. Three points for you to take away from a sermon like this. This is what I want you to learn. I want you to know that God has given you resources for you to steward those resources. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns everything. He's entrusted to you what he's entrusted to you. And here's what he said, faithful and little, ruler of much. Are you being faithful? And I don't care this morning if you've got $10 million in assets. Are you being faithful? That's nothing in compared to my master. Are you faithful in the little that God has given you? God has given you resources to steward. What's the proper use of that steward? For the glory of God and the good of others. Secondly, stealing violates the truth that God is a giver. Stealing violates the truth that God is a giver. God is a giver. And when you steal, you're putting yourself in His place as the one who is in charge of distributing and and collecting. Stealing violates the truth that God is the one who gives the gifts. And thirdly, write this down. Stealing is the opposite of generosity. What do you have this morning? What do you have that you did not receive? Anything? Even the suit that I'm wearing this morning was a gift from my mama. My shoes, well, Joseph A. Bank, I guess they gave them to me. I exchanged them. But anyway, none of that matters. Everything that we have is a gift. Nothing that we possess is not a gift. You say, no, 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 you're missing it. I earned everything that I have. That's right. You earned everything that you have on the grace of God who gave you the strength to put one foot in front of the other, who gave you the, in- the intellect, the breath, the capacity. What do you have that you didn't receive? You see, giving is at the heart of the gospel. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave His only begotten Son. Referring to to Jesus, Paul says, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And in another place in the Bible, we learn that we're to have this attitude, the same attitude of Christ Jesus. Listen to the text. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality a thing to be exploited He didn't hold it over us instead. Listen to the Bible. He gave himself away for our sake. And his giving himself away, you know what that meant? 
salvation for you. Thou shalt not steal. Give it away. Give it away. That one thing that you're holding on to, give it away. Let nothing keep its hold on you. Jesus encountered that rich young ruler who wanted to know what to do to get to heaven. And I love the way that Eugene Peterson in the message translates this. Let me read it to you. Another day, a man stopped Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who is good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. The man asked, what in particular? Listen to Jesus' list. Do not murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, I've done all that. What's left? If you want to give it all you've got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions. Give everything to the poor. All your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he couldn't bear to let go. As he watched him go, Jesus told his disciples, do you have any idea how difficult it is for the rich to enter God's kingdom? Let me tell you, it's easier to gallop a camel through a needle's eye than for a, the rich to enter God's kingdom. The disciples were staggered. Then who has any chance at all? Jesus looked hard at them and said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Give it away, friend. Let nothing stop you from coming to Jesus. Thou shalt not steal. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord, everything I have belongs to you. 
You have given me all that I have to honor you. Cause my heart to desire you. Help me to be generous. Lord, everything that I have belongs to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Dr. Andy Brown, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Startville in Startville, Mississippi. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to follow Hearing is Believing on Facebook and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us at hearingisbelieving.org.